Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Time for the view from the opposition. And this week it comes from Jordan Blackwell, who covers Leicester City for Leicestershire Live. Jordan, thank you very much for popping into the podcast. How are you keeping? Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much, Andrew. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thank you. Much better after Newcastle. Hammered Brighton 4-1 and took a massive step towards top four football. Uh, for Leicester fans, it couldn't be more opposite. Looking likely to be watching Championship football next season. And if results go against Leicester this weekend, the likes of Everton, Forest, Leeds, it would leave Leicester needing to at least get a point and in some circumstances get a win to still be within a shout of securing their Premier League status. It's not looking good, is it? No, it's really not. No, um, speaking to fans this week, um, and it feels like they have, have given up, really. Um, I know that it's just a, it's still mathematically possible, and they are only two points from safety. Um, but there's just such a negative feeling around the club that um, you know they are in the weakest position of the of the four clubs trying to avoid those t- final two relegation spots. Um, and I think lots of fans probably accepted that they will be going down. I think the there was the the run of games um, on the bank holiday Monday when Leicester lost at Fulham and then watched Everton beat Brighton and Forest beat Southampton. I think that was the day that um, most people came to terms with the fact that they, they would be heading down to the Championship. So, no, I th- think, um, yes, they're in a very difficult position or could be in an extremely difficult position come the game on Monday um, and I don't think there's much hope of them of them saving themselves On hope, I've been looking back at some of Dean Smith's comments and it, not as I mean I'm not a Leicester fan clearly but it, it doesn't inspire me if I was a Leicester fan and I'm reading some of the things he's saying, I'm not sitting there thinking he believes he can get Leicester out of this situation, I'm talking about we need at least a point and then Talking about inheriting the squad, and there was—I know there was a bit of backlash from some about the interview he did with Sky before the, the previous game. Um, what have you made of his appointment? Because again, looking from the outside in, if you're looking to survive and beat the drop, is Dean Smith really the right appointment to make, or would Sam Allardyce make more sense short term? Um, I think at the time that Smith was appointed, I thought. Of the managers that were being discussed, I thought he was one of the the better options. Um, sort of looking back to that season, his sort of first season in the Premier League with Villa, uh, and the way that they improved towards the end of the season. Um, I know lots of people talk about the that goal that uh, where the uh, goal line technology stopped working at Sheffield United um, and how that helped them. But um, yeah, I think the you know the they did do well at the end of that season and he kept them up. You know, they were, they were, they got eight points from the last four games that season, Villa. Um, so he's got experience of being in, you know, in a really difficult position and getting a team out of it. And the fact that he was bringing Craig Shakespeare, who'd obviously former Leicester manager, their title winning assistant manager, um, and John Terry as well as, you know, as a, to work on the defence, which has been Leicester's big problem this season. It felt like a reasonable group of you know group of three to to try and steer them away um but really a, a lot of the problems that they'd had previously have continued um which is why you know i think when smith took charge they were 19th two points off safety 
uh, and with two games to go, they are 19th, two points off safety. So, uh, yeah, uh, that tells you the, the full story, really. There's, there's not been a great deal of improvement. Do you get the sense when, when he is speaking you know, in recent days, does he, does he still believe that he can get Leicester out of this situation? Um, I mean, he says he does. Uh, so I, I, I suppose if you if you're taking it at face value, yes. But I suppose you, I probably don't know him well enough to kind of judge his, you know, his body language and the way he speaks about things. He might just be a very um, well. I think you know, I mean, sort of spoken to people who uh, worked with him when he was at Villa. He, he seems a very sort of. Um, you know, he's not going to get too high, not going to get too low kind of thing. So I don't think he's he's going to be sort of, uh, yeah, he's not quite sort of Allardyce and he's not going to galvanise the troops that way. Um, but yeah, I think it's a difficult one because I think the, the mentality around Leicester is perhaps different to what it would be, say, with well, particularly with Forrest or Everton, I think, where it seems like everyone's kind of, bought into it certainly at forest you know if uh, you know from an outside point of view it feels like everybody's on the same page there you know the fans the players the manager all aware of what the job is they're all supporting each other in that fact i think there's too much of a disconnect between the club and the fans at leicester um the atmosphere is really not good the, the players uh, sorry the the fans don't feel the players are um fighting hard enough or care enough about the the club's plight, um, Smith keeps saying that they do care. The players are, you know, Johnny Evans came out after the game on uh, against Liverpool and said that they, you know, if they play, they need to keep up the, you know, the intensity they showed in that game. But all the fans watching were saying, well, we didn't see that intensity. Um, so it, it's difficult because I think that the the club feel like they're fighting as much as they can, but that from the fans' point of view, that they feel like they're watching Everton and Leeds and Forest um, produce much more, um, you know, enthusiastic and determined performances. How 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 do Leicester find themselves in in this position? Because before Newcastle United were taken over, I think a lot of Newcastle United fans looked towards Leicester and were like, okay, that's what we kind of want to want to see at Newcastle. You know, they've got this beautiful new training ground. They were buying. Players, they looked ambitious. They looked like they really wanted to be part of that established top six and upset um, what, what we've come to to accept as the norm. And it's just totally spiralled. And it, it, I think I look at Leicester again from the outside in, and I, I just scratch my head and just I'm just asking how are they about to get relegated to the championship? Yes, it's um, it's it's probably a tricky one because as with all these things, it's kind of lots of different factors, but I would say very in a kind of, uh, if I'm telling a short story, I think it's the, there it was starting to go stale. Um, you know, Rogers was had reached three full years in charge. Um, I think he felt at that point um, that he wanted uh, a fresher squad. Leicester hadn't too, made too many changes to their sort of first 11 um, during Rogers tenure. They'd got to a point at last summer where so Rogers was three years in. Uh, his influence was starting to wane a little bit. He wanted new players. There were lots of players that wanted to leave because they played in Europe for two seasons, but now weren't going to have Europe this season and were thinking they were good enough to play in Europe, so they wanted to leave. Um, but then the club kind of tightened the belts on finances and were 
sort of said, well, we're not buying anyone until we sell players. They then, <clears throat> because nobody seemed to meet their valuations of players, they didn't sell anyone. So then they didn't buy anyone until they sold for Farner and then they brought, only brought Fass in. Um, and then Rogers was a little bit disappointed, I think. Certainly he was, you know, there were questions at press conferences where he was being asked, you know, are you still happy at the club? You know, because his body language said he, he wasn't because he'd, he'd come out, he said he wanted this healthy shake-up and he didn't get it. Um, so then they had a bad start to the season. I think probably the part of the problem was that they then had quite a good autumn. I think in hindsight, the they probably didn't, they probably sacked Rogers a little too late uh, and gave a new manager too much to do. But kind of the issue they had was that they had a run just before the World Cup where they looked like they'd turned a corner. Um, you know, they they were they got one point from the first seven games, but then uh, won four out of six, I think, and you, uh, maybe five out of seven, I think. Um, you know, they thrashed Forest, they thrashed Wolves, they won away at Everton and West Ham. Um, so it looked like, okay, we're back on the straight and narrow now. After the World Cup, it'll all be fine. And then three months after that, it's clearly not fine. And then they sat the manager. Um, but I think it's a case of standing still. I think maybe you could argue that the players didn't realise um, the severity of the situation they were in. Smith, Smith has hinted at that, that the players have maybe bought into the fact that this kind of line that sometimes goes around, sort of sometimes said by pundits that they're too good to go down you know everyone looks at Leicester squad and said you know this is a really good squad they've got loads of really good players um you know they're not going to go down they're, and then they sort of say well Everton might go down Forest might go down whatever um whether the players believe that possibly there's a a tweet that it probably went round enough that Newcastle fans may be aware of it but when Leicester lost away at Southampton James Madison put a tweet out saying if we play like that we'll be absolutely fine um and obviously they're, they're not. Uh, and that's sort of the, I think people are using that tweet as a kind of, to sum up the attitude of the squad, that they just assumed they would be okay. Um, and I think the club as a whole felt like they could just have one bad year and it would be okay. Then they'd get to this summer, lots of players out of contracts, naturally the squad will refresh and then they go again. But they've shown that in the Premier League, you can't really afford to stand still for a season because enough teams will overtake you that you end up in relegation trouble. You mentioned James Madison there. He's one that Newcastle are, are interested in. They were interested in January, likely to go back in this summer. He's going to cost a lot of money regardless of which uh, division Leicester City are in. On the attitude, uh, you mentioned there the tweet. He was also criticised for something he said after, the, after uh, I think it was two games ago, uh, he came out and clarified uh, that interview about what he what he meant. How has his attitude been during this battle for survival? And um, I mean, just how good of a signing would he be for a team looking likely to be playing Champions League football next season? Well, I, I know I think he does care. I think um, I think it has uh, I think it has affected Madison that he's you know he's not been able to help Leicester out of this situation because he still has been Leicester's best player this season. I mean, he's got 19 goals and assists, um, you know, for a team that's in the bottom three, that's very, very good. I think if he gets one more assist, he'll be just, 
the second player this season to get double figures for both. I think Saka's the only one that's got there so far. So to be at that point when you're playing for a team that's 19th is very, very good. Um, I think the past few weeks, he has almost felt the responsibility too much. Um, and he's tried almost tried too hard. You know, when you sort of play, they sort of hog the ball a little bit too long and they try to do it all themselves. And I think it's understandable why Madison would do that because there have been points this season where the rest of his team have just given him the ball and said, well, here you go, Madison, you know, produce some magic um, and get us out of this hole. And most of the time he has done. Um, you know, there was a couple of performances in the autumn where the, I think at home to Forest and away at Everton, two of the best individual performances I've seen from a Leicester player. Um, so he is very, very good. But yeah, just this last couple of weeks, they made, they lost 1-0 at home to Bournemouth, which was a really damaging result. And it was his poor pass back to the goalkeeper that got intercepted that led to the goal. At home to Everton, Leicester 2-1 up, going into half-time, get a penalty in half uh, first half injury time. Madison takes it, misses. Leicester end up drawing 2-2. And I think because of the because of things he said in the media, he's become a little bit of the target as uh, as well for for fans. Um, but he'd be a terrific sign. It with the way he's progressed over the past two seasons, he would be a. He, he, I think he's got to a point now where he would thrive in any team. He could play for any team in the country. I think um, he is that good. His footwork is amazing. Uh, the way he uses his body to kind of get away from defenders. Um, his eye for a pass, the his tactical understanding of the game. He's starting to show leadership qualities as well. He, you know, he he's been captain on a few occasions for the rest of this season. Um, scoring, he's got much better at that as well. That's something he's, he's improved at. Uh, improved at Leicester, where before he, he most of his goals were from outside the box, um, and he still does score a few of those. But he's also learned how to get into the box and to get into those. Um, you know, get into the the little pockets of space inside the box and make uh, late runs um, to get goals. So, uh, yeah, he's um, he's a he's a terrific player, and uh, he will be uh, he would be a good signing for Newcastle or any other team really in the Premier League. Um, if you put the scenarios to to one side, Newcastle Champions League, Leicester battling uh, not to go down, Leicester City still have dangerous uh, players. You've mentioned Madison there, but they've got others. I know Harvey Barnes is another one who's been linked to Newcastle, although he was taken off it against Liverpool, wasn't he? It, it, it is very much a case that while Newcastle are expected to win on Monday, it's going to be a bit of a party atmosphere by all accounts. They can't underestimate at least the attackers in, in that Leicester City side, despite how out of form and um, how down the dumps they may be. Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah, I think the it has generally been the the defence that has been the the problem for Leicester. I think it's twenty one games now without a clean sheet, um, and they've conceded the first goal in nineteen of those. Uh, so um, yeah, the the attack is you know the attack can play well. They've got good attacking players, particularly you know Barnes is I think is his best goal scoring season this season. Uh, his finishing's improved a lot. Um, one sort of minor positive, one of the few little bits of hope that people are clinging on to is that Ian Acho is fit again, um, or is at least expected to be fit um, to return this uh, uh, on Monday. 
I think fans may have seen in the game against Leeds where he, he sort of tore his groin just as he was helping to set up Vardy's goal. Um, and I think it looked at the time like a sort of heroic last act and that he'd be out for the rest of the season. But he's he's managed to recover quite quickly. And I think you know fans are keen to see him back because generally when he plays, he, he does produce something, Ian Acho. Um so that helps Leicester's attack as well. I think you know if I don't think he'll start, but if he comes on, he, he become he provides a little bit of more of a focal point. Um, you know, gets on the ball more than Vardy would. So uh, that and that tends to help Leicester. Um, so yes, there are players there that know what to do in attacking situations. Um, but uh, I think you know, I think we saw in the two previous games against Newcastle this season, um, in both in the cup. Uh, quarterfinal and in the the Premier League game on on Boxing Day, um, that there are occasions where they can struggle to score because I I don't really remember. I think Vardy had a chance towards the end of the cup quarterfinal, but other than that, I I don't remember Leicester really testing Newcastle in the in the Boxing Day game, and I felt that the cup quarterfinal was pretty one sided as well. So um, you know Newcastle's defence is very very good, and I think even with Leicester's very good attack, um, Newcastle probably could be able probably could shut them down again. Defensive-wise, from a Leicester point of view, just how bad is it? Um, it's, it's interesting because I'd, quite often you get games where you come away and say that the centre-backs have played quite well, which kind of suggests that it's the it's the way they defend as a team that is the problem. Um, they don't seem to have any... They don't seem to have much protection for the uh, for the defenders, which I think is the main issue. I think their biggest weakness is they push the midfielders forward, and then they they don't have the organisation to defend counter attacks. Basically, so obviously you don't want to tell your midfielders or attacking midfielders to to not try the riskier passes because you sometimes need those to break down a, a defence. But if you make if you make those and they don't come off and the other team intercepts them, you need to kind of be in a position where you can defend those counter-attacks. Um, and that's something Leicester really struggle at. They just get torn apart uh, when that happens. Um, Dean Smith has spoke about in, spoken about individual mistakes as well. Um, but I don't necessarily think that um, Leicester make more individual mistakes than other clubs. But again, it's just they don't, then have the organisation to to sort it out. Like I, I was watching the the Brighton Arsenal game um, the weekend previous, and it, I felt like there were quite a lot of moments where Brighton defenders gave the ball away, you know, because that's their style. They're trying to pass it out, but it wouldn't ever phase them, and they'd always then get players back in position. And obviously, didn't concede that many chances, and they, you know, and they kept a clean sheet. That's what Leicester don't have. If Leicester make mistakes, they they get punished for them. Um, so uh, that's that's where the that's where it's been it's been poor really. They've they've improved a little bit. Well, it felt like they improved a little bit when they brought Daniel Everson in in goal um, in place of Danny Ward, who, who sort of it seemed like to me he struggled with the pressure of being a number one. Um, but then Everson's not kept a clean sheet either, and he was at, at fault a little bit for the first goal um, against Fulham. So uh, yeah, it just across the board really, it's it's not been great defensively. And tactically, how do you think Leicester will approach the Newcastle game on Monday? I think they will. I think they will probably play the same team that 
that started the Liverpool game. Um, so a four-three-three. I think, I think they probably feel that if they could play how they did in the first half an hour against Liverpool, um, they might, you know, they might be able to get something. They were they were okay for the first half an hour. They looked a little bit of a threat. Certainly, Newcastle didn't have any chances. Uh, sorry, Liverpool didn't have any chances. Um, but it's just when they concede, they tend to fall apart a little bit. But I think they'll they probably will stick with the four three three with Ndidi in there to sort of protect the, the back four a little bit more. Um, Tielemans and Sumare, sort of the other central midfielders, to provide a little bit more forward thrust uh, and you know allowed to um, you know go forward a little bit more. Madison will play on the right, I'd imagine, but with the license to drift in and pick up little pockets, which then means Castagna from right. Uh, well, actually, it'd be Ricardo from right back. Uh, would then be able to go forward a little bit more uh, and attack that way. Um, but yeah, I think as I said, I think Vardy will start up front, in which case it's about playing balls in behind for him um, and maybe playing a few balls over the top occasionally to try and stretch um, to try and stretch the the Newcastle defence. But if Iheanacho plays, it will probably be to feet, and then it'll be a case of Barnes and Madison trying to get beyond him. So. Um, yeah, there's two, a couple of ways they could go for it, but uh, yeah, I think it would be broadly the same team that, um, that that played against Liverpool. In the terms of kind of the, the the approach of their game, will it be Leicester will sit back and invite Newcastle on, or do we think Leicester will have more of the ball? I mean, I've just looked at the stats for uh, Newcastle versus Brighton, uh, and Newcastle only had thirty four percent possession, Brighton had sixty six percent. So you know, Newcastle are quite happy to say to the other side, you have the ball and you, you try and uh, come and attack us. Yeah, well, I think um, Newcastle would be sensible to do that, to be honest. Um, Leicester's record this season, um, when they have more than 50% of the possession, is really poor. Uh, they tend to do better when they don't have the ball, um, You know, which sort of harks back to the kind of what people imagine sort of the classic Leicester City I think obviously people think back to the title winning season when it was very much about the counter and having Kante win the ball high up the pitch and Mares and Vardy sort of getting at, at defences. Um, but I think Leicester will want to play with possession. So I think they will want to get on the ball. I think they would probably see themselves as, um, you know, that in itself restricts Newcastle a little bit if they don't have the ball. But as I said, um, they are very vulnerable to counter-attacks. So um, I think it, it is, you know, I don't think if Leicester, I think if, even if Leicester do dominate the ball, um, <laughs> I would I would still fancy fancy Newcastle to win. And one thing Newcastle did really well against Brighton was the high press. You know, as you mentioned there, Brighton against Arsenal, you, you watched them and like to pass the ball around uh, the opposition. It usually works quite well. On Thursday night against Newcastle, it didn't. Newcastle were absolutely superb. Their energy levels and uh, you know stealing goal looked very very vulnerable. Uh, for large parts of the game, how will Leicester City potentially deal with it with a Newcastle high press? Um, I think they would. I think if Newcastle were to force Leicester to go back to Everson in goal, I think they would. Newcastle would get some joy from that because I think the reason that Ward was always preferred to Everson under Rogers was that Ward was much better with his feet. Um, Everson was brought in 
because he's a better shot stopper, but he, he's he's not so good with his feet. Um, so I think that could, you know, Newcastle could force him into mistakes if if they do press him. Um, but I think Leicester will try to restrict the number of times they actually go back to him. And so the defenders will try to play forward through the press, if you like. Um, I think the defenders are probably okay with it. I think, I think it's the midfield that tend to struggle a little bit. Um, so Samare and Tielemans probably are the two at the minute that may struggle with, with that. Um, I think there's been lots of calls from Leicester fans to, to play uh, Papi Mendy. Um, at the base of midfield because he's probably one of those players that is okay in those sorts of situations. He kind of um, he's sort of press resistant really. He's just very good at keeping the ball and, and playing the simple passes to get around it. Um, whereas I think others tend to panic a little bit more. So um, yes, I think if Newcastle went for the same approach, they, they could get some joy from that. Is there one player in particular you are kind of fearing uh, from Newcastle's point of view that you think can really hurt Leicester, certainly, I mean, have I asked Newcastle United fans that they will probably give you one of seven, eight, nine, ten names? Because, again, against Brighton, you could have picked one of several players to be man of the match. Um, but for you, is it is the one name that stands out? Um, probably not, because I, I when I've watched Newcastle this season, um, I've I've mostly been impressed with how um, organised defensively they are um, so that defensive unit as a whole um, seems to me to be the sort of the the standout of, of Newcastle's success um, Wilson as well I think I, I he always seems a very clever to player to me um, and I do think he's got that that sort of striking intelligence in terms of the little movements here and there um, I would worry about that from a Leicester perspective, um, you know, with with Evans and Fast sort of keeping tabs on him, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so he he's probably the one individual I, I would um, I, I would pick out um, because I do think he's very good. Um, but really, the the defensive unit and shutting down Leicester's attack is the is probably the the biggest worry because um, you know Leicester need Leicester need goals. Um, so and uh, and I don't think Newcastle will give them that many chances to score. You mentioned there Wilson, eleven goals uh, since the beginning of April. He's in absolute red hot form. One yesterday uh, against Brighton and uh, could have had a second uh, as well. So he'll probably be looking to add to his tally of eighteen so far this season. How does Dean Smith get his players? up for the challenge because you're coming up to Newcastle who are I think third or fourth, maybe even second in the, in the form table. You know that it's going to be a, a, a really good atmosphere because even if Liverpool beat Aston Villa, Newcastle just need to beat Leicester and then they've got the, the top four all done and dusted. So coming into what is already a difficult place to play as an away side, but then you have the elements of goodness me, Newcastle are going to qualify for the Champions League, so it's going to be a brilliant atmosphere on top of that. And then you have the Leicester City element of, oh dear, we know we're looking doomed right here, right now. What's the team talk from Dean Smith? Well, I think if you... I think if the, the results go against Leicester this weekend and 
and give them something to aim for you know i think that's that will be the focus it will be a kind of well this is it do or die kind of thing if if the results go you know if everton win and forest draw then leicester have to win so that's what you focus on you say you know there are no more second chances i think you sort of hark back to the what i was saying earlier about maybe leicester thinking they would be all right it's got to a point now where you know it becomes must win um and i think that would be the the focus that the you know there are no there are no other chances for Leicester if it, you know if they don't if they don't win this one. If if the results go their way over the weekend, would they be able to handle that? I you know it, it, this isn't like last chance uh, saloon on 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 Monday. If the results you know do go Leicester's way, or what, how would you think they would prefer? It sounds a bit of a daft question because obviously you want to come into the game not needing to win, but I'm just wondering in terms of handling the pressure because. You know they're two kind of well they are two very different scenarios. Yeah, and I think that maybe the I think in that scenario you're then probably promoting the idea that a win would put it back in Leicester's hands. You know if if Everton if neither Everton nor Leeds win um, a Leicester win over Newcastle would take them up to seventeenth going into the last game, and Leicester have got West Ham at home. Um, you know West Ham in the European final perhaps. Uh, going to be thinking about that and not a what would for them be a meaningless game against Leicester, um, you know, and that would put that would put the whole situation back in Leicester's hands. So I think in that scenario, that's what you'd be promoting. You're saying, look, you win this game, it's in your hands again. Um, but you're right. Whether they think then the, whether they would think then, well, it doesn't matter if we lose because we'll still be in it going into the last game. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it is tricky, but. To be honest, <clears throat> I think um, I don't think it really matters what D Smith says. I think I think Newcastle are a better team, and I, I just think they'll 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 win. So um, yeah, it's um, yeah. There's, there's, from my point of view, there's not really a lot he can say that could maybe uh, you know get Leicester City a result. Well, just before I ask you for your your score prediction, because I think I know what your result <laughs> prediction is going to be. So before I ask you to put some numbers to it. I've I've mentioned there uh, the atmosphere. You know the assumption is it will be absolutely boisterous. It's going to be a really good party. There's going to be the biggest flag display that the the group have done so far. How will Leicester City's players handle that? You know, I, I know they're professional footballers, so again, it might sound like a daft question, but when you're in the scenario that Leicester are, you know, it's very easy to crumble when you go into a a, a cauldron of noise that it's expected to be on Monday. I think they. I think I just think they they will be okay with it um, unless they can until they concede. I was going to say unless they concede, but they're, they're probably going to concede. So, and, and that's when it seems to go because obviously if Newcastle get a goal, the obviously the atmosphere pre match is going to be brilliant. But the when they get a goal, and at that point they will then be qualified for the Champions League as it stands. I think that's you know it'll it'll build and build again. I think that's when Leicester could crumble. Um, the longer they can keep it nil nil, uh, the the better. But I actually think going into the game at the start, they've been to Newcastle often enough. This team um, they've played in you know Rocker stadiums plenty of times. Um, you know lot, you know it, many of them in Europe as well. Um, so I don't think it will. I don't think it will bother them too much pre-match. I just think when you concede, 
the fans then get on top of the t- on top of the team, and then it becomes a little bit more difficult. So, how is it going to go then? Um, I will say two 0 to to Newcastle. I've already set my stall out, and I said six 0 to Newcastle. <laughs> All right, okay. I was very optimistic this morning, and I'm going to stick by it. I haven't been, you know, I've predicted quite closely the last couple of score lines. I said four one against Spurs, and I said. I think I said 4-1 maybe against Brighton or at least 3-1. So I was pretty close. I'm going to stick with it. Um, And yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. And I mentioned there about the pressure, that how Leicester handle the scenario they're in. But it's also going to be really interesting to see how Newcastle handle the pressure on them. I think the Brighton game was the big one. You win that, the nerves kind of drop. But equally, if Liverpool beat Villa on Saturday and it has to be done at home against Leicester on Monday, you know, it is, it, it, it's not a foregone conclusion that Leicester lose and Newcastle win. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. That said, I think they will get the job done and we'll be celebrating qualification for the Champions League for Newcastle United. Uh, Jordan, I wish you a safe trip up to St. James's Park on Monday. Thank you again for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. To you guys listening, hit that follow button. And for myself, I'll see you very soon. 